Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schauger. Today on 30 Minutes, we feature a panel from the Nuestras Raices Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Distorted Mirror. If books are the mirrors of the world in which we live, why are so many faces missing? Young adult authors Claudia Guadalupe Martinez and Isabel Quintero read from their novels and share their experiences about the importance of seeing oneself in literature. This panel is moderated by local artist Mel Dominguez. This is part one of a two-part series. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. The presentations you see here are brought to you by the Nuestros Raices, a Pima County Public Library program that builds community by celebrating Mexican-American authors, arts, and culture. The following presentation and those at the Pima County Public Library tent are made possible by the generous support of the Friends of the Pima County Public Library and the University of Arizona's Confluence Center for Creative Inquiry. Our next presentation is The Distorted Mirror. If books are the mirrors of the world in which we live, why are so many faces missing? Young adult authors Claudia Guadalupe Martinez and Isabel Quintero read from their novels and share their experiences about the importance of seeing oneself in literature. And now I'd like to introduce your moderator for this presentation, local artist and Nuestros Reyes' friend, Mel Dominguez. Mel is also the artist of the beautiful panels you see behind us. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name is Mel Dominguez and we thank the Pima County Public Library for sponsoring this venue. Now I'd like to introduce you to the authors. Claudia Guadalupe Martinez grew up in El Paso, Texas where she learned that letters from words from reading the subtitles of old westerns from her father at age six, she already knew she wanted to create stories. She went to, on to receive a degree in literature from the Claremont McKenna College on a full ride. Uh, her attention to completion of her first book, The Smell of Old Lady Perfume, which won the best young adult book from the Texas Institute of Letters and the Southwest Books Award. Our next author, Isabel Quintero, lives in the Inland Empire of Southern California. All right, that's also where I am from. With her husband, her love of reading and writing comes from her mother reading to her before she went to bed and from the teachers who encouraged her to keep writing. Her love of chorizo and carne asada comes from her dad, grilling on Sundays. She is a former elementary school library technician and currently teaches at Two Community College. And my first question, I was thinking about this all weekend, and I wanted to ask about the distorted mirrors and how you came to develop your characters in both of your books. Isabel? Developing Gabby was um, kind of easy for me because a lot of her is me, but I just, um, I didn't see a lot of Gabby's in the books that I was reading as a young person, or I didn't see a lot of Gabby's in the young adult that I was reading, or literature in general. And so I felt that, um, you know, she needed to exist because she, she already existed, she just needed to exist on, on paper. And so a lot of her is me, um, her foul mouth, her sassiness, her... Um, you know, her body image issues, all of that um, is a lot of me, but I also find that it's a lot of other women, a lot of other Latinas. 
So for me, I think it's kind of a similar experience um, for with my first book, which is actually pretty old now. It, it came out um, like what uh, six years ago or something like that, um, seven years ago, um, and this is very much a book that is based on my own experiences growing up. And when I wrote it, um, I wrote it because my father passed away when I was 11. And when he did, I kind of hid away in books. And I would like, you know, read with a flashlight under the covers because I didn't want to go to sleep because when I went to sleep, I just thought about my dad and it was kind of horrible. Um, so for me, this was kind of an opportunity to talk about, about that experience. Um, and definitely that was an experience that I, you know, if I had read a book like this when I was hiding under the covers, I think my life would have been um, so different to be able to kind of have that conversation with a character that I wasn't really able to have with the real people um, around me at that time. Uh, with Pig Park, it's a book that is very much not really, uh, you know, about my experience. It's very different, kind of went outside my comfort zone. Um, it's political in a lot of ways. Um, it, you know, when I wrote it, I was thinking a lot about this about this um, conversation that I was having with people where I would tell people like uh, I joined you know the, these different organizations you know for writers and I kept having people tell me oh you're you're Latina oh Latino is hot right now you'll have no problem publishing it'll be like so easy for you and I was like hello no I mean I you know I've had to work really hard to just find I'm like really lucky to have found Cinco Puntos uh, which was they weren't hard to find because you know they're out of El Paso just like I am but you know it's not, it's not easy, it's not like, you know, there's suddenly this tokenism and we're able to get in just because we're Latinas. You have to work hard and you have to be a good writer for people to notice. And so definitely, like, I wrote this book kind of in response to a little, a little bit to that, uh, to that kind of attitude where people thought that just being a Latina was suddenly gonna make it easier when it's exactly not the case. Can I say something to that real quick? Oh yes, yeah. totally. Um, I think I've had the same experiences that I've had, I've had write, fellow writers tell me, Oh, you're Latina. You're gonna, you know, it'll be hard for me because I'm white. So it'll be hard for me to publish a book, but you'll you'll get published, no problem. And they kind of dismiss um, our work a little bit, kind of like, you know, it's hot. But I think there's only one story that they want to hear, and so when it's out of comfort zone, it gets a little bit. Um, a little bit more distorted. I guess, you know, yeah, totally. harder to and, accept. And when I was reading your books, I found um, the descriptions. Uh, the telling of the story. Um, there was pieces of it, um, like in the old lady's perfume where you were mentioning, it says, cuando me muera, no lloran, no lloran por mi. That touched me. And then and then in the other book, in Isabel's book, it was about, uh, como se dice en inglés, um, ojos abiertos, piernas cerradas. Yeah. So when you guys have these, the, I mean, do you have that inspiration first, or did someone say that to you, and, and then the story developed around it? How do you? How did you both start? For me, um, that was something my mom told me like all the time when I was a teenager. When I was of of age to notice boys, um, my mom would tell me that constantly. And if I'd go out on a date, she'd always say, "Remember, ojos abiertos, piernas cerradas." And it was always, you know, I went to prom with um, a really good friend of mine and both years that I went with him, he's gay, he's gay, right? And, but that was a big concern for my mom, you know, that I would somehow have sex with this gay guy and it would be horrible. And so it was just constant all the time. So that's how that saying came in there. Yeah, I think um, for me, it definitely, it was when my dad got sick, it was something he always said, you know, he didn't, he wanted to prepare us for, 
about for you know the worst. Um, so it was definitely something that he said, and it's you know a lot of the book is based on real things. Well, that, it was awesome because um, like when I was young, <laughs> I'm I, I'm getting older now, but when I was young, I felt like there was no one to relate to. So when I was reading your books, it really touched, you know, it touched me inside. You know, I really started to begin to think about how many more authors need to be writing, how you guys need to keep going and creating stories. But there was something interesting in Pig Park that I liked where she says, um, it's, it's Masi had a God-given right to sell anything. You don't have the rights. Look at yourself. Not with a name like Sanchez, Cassie said. This isn't Arizona or Alabama, said Stacy. And I wanted to ask you, why did you mention Arizona? <laughs> uh, I, I forgot that was in there. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm like really involved in, you know, like a lot of the diversity uh, movement in children's books. Um, and so I've kept, uh, you know, I've, I've followed the whole story in Arizona and what's happening with books being banned. Um, and it started here, right? Like it really started here, but it's like, it's an infection and it's like, everywhere now right I mean Texas is having a big problem with that now where like they you know they're going to court and they're fighting and they're doing these things uh, because like they don't think that our children have the right to read books about themselves or kids wow. that look like them because suddenly they're gonna become militant and like you know got you know go to want to go to college or something who knows right <laughs> Yeah, so I really enjoyed reading that part. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be good. And now Isabel, I was thinking about it. I was, I was reading through the book and it had, it touched base with so many, so many things that were relevant. It was Catholic parents, a pregnant friend, and Los Ojos Abriertos, Piernas Cerradas, a coffee house, poetry slam. But you don't know my dad. My favorite part though, was when Gabby slapped the little payasa. <laughs> Can you, I mean, just using those words in a sentence, I was like, that's so cool. Can you tell me what, why that, where that came from? Or um, how, did, uh, how did that Which develop? part, like slapping little payasa or? The little payasa <laughs> or, um, Well, in the book, if you, well, spoiler, well, I won't oh. spoil it, but um, her name is Georgina in the book. And, well, her name is Georgina, and she is very, rude to Gabby and she has a lot of things to say about Gabby's weight and about how um, Gabby behaves and about her she's like the chismosa right in the school she's really you know the gossip tells everyone's business to everyone else and something happens and um, Gabby's really upset and she doesn't know what to do and Georgina tells her um, Gabby I didn't know your dad was a crackhead and Gabby loses it and just slaps Georgina across the face because she didn't know how to react to someone attacking her family and in a sense attacking her that way because it was something so so private and personal that she kind of just threw out there. And I think um, we were having this conversation before about um, children of, of drug addicted parents, they hardly, Usually in books, it's teenagers who are asked, you know, um, you know, you want to try some weed? You want, you know, it's kids that are tempted into drugs in books. Um, but I hardly saw any books about um, kids where the parent was an addict and what it's like to be the child of an addict and how you have to hide and you have to, um, you can't tell, you can't tell the school because if you tell the school then your parents gonna get in trouble and you're gonna get taken away. And so all of these loyalties and that, and kind of 
little payasa, that's what Gabby's nickname for her is, um, it culminates there with the slap in the face. You are listening to a panel entitled The Distorted Mirror from the 2015 Festival of Books on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I wanted to pique your interest into grabbing this book. <laughs> it's, they're both so fun to read because, like I said, they're so relatable. I find myself in the situations. And because of that, I wanted to ask, what was your motivation for the both of you to just get going in writing? Like, I read just a little bit, but like, can you tell us more about that? Um, well, I've always, I've always been a writer. Like, I've always liked reading. I've always liked writing. And so, um, in tenth grade, and this is up on my website, but in tenth grade, I had a teacher who made us memorize E.E. E. Cummings, and um, that kind of was it for me. Like everything else, like wow, the language I could do this with words. And so I started trying to do more things with words. And I didn't start taking my t myself seriously as a writer until um, I failed miserably as a high school teacher and didn't know what to do. And I had been writing poems and I had, because first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a poet. That's what I do first um, before fiction. And I just started writing more and more and more. And I started taking myself seriously um, with the encouragement of a professor uh, and poet, Julie Pagel, and she was like, you need to be published. And it was kind of, like, I had never thought that I could write, you know, that I could be a writer, like a professional writer. Um, reading, you know, I wrote poems with words in Spanish after I read Michelle Ceros, who recently passed away, and I thought, oh my God, I can use Spanish in a poem? That had never occurred to me before I had read her. And so I started seeing myself as that, like as a writer. Like I, I could do that. It wasn't just, you know, um, rich white guys or rich, you know, on some farm somewhere looking at the clouds. I could do it in the Inland Empire looking at the freeways or something. You know, it was, I could do that. It could be me. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I think I, I always wanted to be a writer. I was writing books when I was in, like, diapers, I think, <laughs> um, because I would take pieces of paper and I would like bind them together and I would like draw out things and like, I, you know, if I knew a word, I would write a word, although I don't think I really knew how to, you know, actually write words when I started writing books because they were all picture books um, and I would give them away to, you know, to people in my family, to my dad, to my sisters um, and like my dad in particularly, you know, he, he particularly um, was very just supportive um, and, you know, my family. For me, I just knew that it was something I wanted to do. Um, I think, like, most of my teachers throughout probably my life were all very encouraging. Um, you know, like, the librarians as well. Like, I, I used to, like, volunteer at the library in elementary school, and she would, like, let me check out, like, ten books instead of, like, the five, right? So, like, we, like, we had a connection. Um, and so I just kind of always knew that I wanted to write. I didn't know that I could write about girls that, you know, that were like me. I thought I was going to have to write, like, a generic. So, like, when I started, when I used to write back then, I would write, like, generic, very generic stories that were not culture-specific because I thought that that's the only way that I would get published. So it, it wasn't until I was... Um, you know, probably in college that I started writing about girls like me. Um, I definitely didn't do it in high school, although I, you know, I, you know, I was lucky enough to run across people, um, the work of people like Sandra Cisneros, like, um, like uh, Ana Castillo, like uh, Denise Chavez, 
um, and women like that that you know all also wrote poetry. Especially Dor Lorna for me, that was like the poet that I loved. Um, you know, and when I right after I graduated graduated from college, I'm, I had the opportunity to study with her um, two two different summers, and she's just such a generous, such a like wonderful woman. Just like being around her, like in person, and having that kind of one-on-one um, -on -one with somebody who had done it, I think made the world of difference. Uh, because the other people were just, you know, I admired them and they were aspirational because I didn't know them. I, for me, they were they weren't real people. Yeah. Um, the way that you know it was to actually then have a relationship with somebody who had done it. Yeah, I was uh, at the authors' lounge and I wanted to ask you how was it to have Luis um, Alberto Urea as a teacher. If you don't mind. <laughs> um, he's, he's awesome. I actually, um, I studied with him. It wasn't until after my first book came out, but before my second. Um, and I think I actually might have workshopped one of the chapters from Pig Park in his class. I wasn't in his, like I wasn't in the creative writing program. I just worked at the university so I could take classes. Um, and so I just, like I saw his name and I'm like, this is, I mean, this is the reason, the sole reason to have a tuition waiver is to like study with this man, you know? Um, so it was just like, it was awesome. He's like, he's so laid back and, and he's just so encouraging, you know? Like I, like sometimes I would talk to him after class and I'd be like, Luis, I want to grow up to be you. That's, you know, that's who I want to grow up to be. That is so awesome. I had to ask that. And, you know, there's a list of questions here and I thought of one that I haven't had the chance to ask the women artists. But it's funny. It says, Walter Mosley is known to write naked. Do you have a specific routine or charm that you use ha habitually when you write, or you, do you discover a new process with each book? Um, go ahead. I got to think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I just kind of, you know, write when it comes. And so for me, like I do, people think I'm crazy, but I write a lot on my phone. What? So yeah. But how, but like, how do you mean? like? Yeah, like, you know, I have, um, I have Google Docs on my phone and like if I, I can, I like sit there at night and stuff and, and I write and I think also because I have like two very young kids, I have like a two-year-old and like a four-month-old, it's like sometimes the only way I can get in front of a screen because the second I sit in front of the computer, my daughter thinks it's time to like, you know, do some kind of kid-related thing on the computer and so then it's impossible. Um, I don't, I mean, I could wow you and say, every morning I wake up at four and I write for three hours before work, but that would be a lie. I, I, I write, I try to write every day at least something. If I'm not writing, then I might be reviving a poem or, or thinking about writing or writing just something. Um, recently I've been writing more by hand first before I type, so I went back. Um, it's just a different process to actually um, write it by hand as opposed to typing it. Um, so that has helped me develop um, several poems recently. Um, also, if I'm driving, and if you're, if you're familiar with Southern California, there's a lot of driving and there's um, a lot of traffic. And so sometimes I'll be in the car and I'll think, oh, this is a really good idea for a story. And I'll pull over in the emergency lane because that's what it's for, right? Uh, writing emergencies. And so I'll pull over and I'll take out my notebook and I'll write or I'll pull out my phone if I don't have my notebook and I'll record myself. So if anyone ever finds my phone, they'll just, you know, and hears those things, they'll, what, what are these ramblings? And so I know what the ramblings are, so that's what I do. <laughs> well, that's really cool. I mean, you know, we get good insight into how you guys develop your work. And with that, how do you both feel about the social media then? Like the effects that it has on, on young readers or like 
how do you how do you both feel about that now that I mean because now you both write on it I mean it that's different for me too uh, how do you feel about that um, social media is cool like I you know I'm on Twitter and I have an author Facebook page and I have a website that I hardly update and I need to do that um, it's it's great but it's also a lot of work to keep up with like constantly like um, like on Twitter, like I constantly see so many authors just tweeting and, and they have, you know, such connection with their readers, but it's kind of hard um, to keep up with. I think it's an important tool that we should continue to use, um, but, um, you know, I, I also like, oh, emails. I get a lot of emails from readers, so I think that's a little bit more personal, but we use it. Whatever we have, we can use, or we awesome. should use whatever's out there. That's true. It's wild, but how, how do you feel? about that because I was even thinking about like ebooks yeah you know um, with the smell of old lady perfume it's not even an ebook because I wanted to hold on to that mm -hmm. and like I remember like we kind of went back and forth a lot with Cinco Puntos about it um, and it came out so long ago that it was still kind of like something that wasn't just kind of obvious right um, but I like kind of we we fought for that you know to keep those rights because I didn't know how I felt about yeah. it at that time um, so now, I mean, so now I just, that's something I always try, you know, I, that, I, that kind of haunts me. I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do with those rights or what's going to happen to them. I wonder if, like, how many more readers that, you know, It'll I reach. could reach if, yeah. if they were. Uh, but what, one interesting thing um, that happened to me uh, recently was that I went to, um, I went to an, an event that was like an educator event. And somebody came up to me and asked me, you know, oh, why isn't this an ebook? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, because you can buy a real book, right? Yeah. Real books are great. <laughs> um, but one thing she pointed out was that um, if your book is an ebook, like it, it then if you have the hard of hearing um, or et cetera, or like somebody with a disability, um, it's more accessible than, a, you know, like a regular book. Um, and so that's something I had never thought about, but definitely something where technology is. Uh, it can make the world of a difference. Uh, so something that I've been thinking about a lot. I know it's it's so wild to think about that. But you reminded me also. Um, I'd like to ask how. I noticed that you both uh, were published by Cinco Puntos Press. How did that take place for the both of you? Um, so I was an elementary school librarian, and it mostly I was about for six years, and I. It was a mostly a Latino, a school with mostly Latino students. Yet we didn't have very many books on our shelves that reflected their experience. So as soon as I became, you know, the library tech there, um, I made it my mission to start um, acquiring more books that reflected the students. And so whenever I would go, you know, on perma bound or on, you know, bound to be bound books, um, Cinco Puntos would always pop up because I would type in books about Latinos or books whatever and bilingual books, and it was always Cinco Puntos and some other publishers, but they had more of a variety. And so when I was finished with Gabby and I was looking for somewhere to send her, um, I, I familiarized myself with Cinco Puntos and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call, up, call them up because um, Lee, the editor, has a very different process than most publishers. Most publishers, you have to submit a query letter and you send it out and you don't have to like actually talk to the person. But Lee, you have to talk to her, and so she can reject you and say, hey, that sounds interesting, or nope, no thank you. So it was kind of, you know, I had my script out there, and that's how connected with, with wow. them. Wow. 
I, I'm from El Paso, just like um, Cinco Puntos. So when I was in high school, they used to actually like kind of, they would donate books to my high school. And so I knew who they were because they donated books to my high school. They would have this, like, this, these big fairs uh, where they would take a bunch of different books and like, give them out to students and parents. Um, so I knew who they were. And actually, when I finished uh, The Smell of Oli Perfume, they were the first publisher I sent it to. And they're the ones who ended up publishing it. So, yeah. That's really cool. I always, I always think about how those things take place because it's almost like another story within itself. And like, I'm, I'm looking towards the future as to see where you guys go with that or if I see any of those influences. And with that, what is next for the both of you? What are you, are you writing now or what are you doing now? Yeah, always writing. So I'm, I'm always writing poetry and I'm working on, a, on a, another young adult book. Um, that one's more magical realism and fantasy and some um, children's books as well. Some picture books, I should say. Oh, that's great. How about you, Claudia? Um, I have like a few picture books in the works. Um, and, you know, I have a couple of YA, I think like three or four now that I'm like kind of started, but none of them have been finished where I'm not sure which one I'm going to focus on because I have like all these things going on. Oh, that's cool. So why picture books? Why, why, why did, because the, the both of you said picture books, why did you go into picture books? Um, I think it's the same, well, I like picture books for one. Like I, I'm a big fan of children's thing in YA. Um, actually, I think I'm more of a fan of children's books. Like I was a children's, you know, I worked with kids, and so I was more familiar with children's books. And just, I think they are um, widely. If you're not a librarian or you don't work in schools, there's always this misconception about how simple and children's books are, or how. Um, even maybe even trite, how just for entertainment, but they have so much substance in them. And you know, as a poet, you're always working with space and the confines of space and how many words per page and and word choice is so important that I think with picture books is the same thing because you have 32 pages to work with and here's your word count and okay, what can you do with that? And so for me, it's you know, that's why that's, that's why cool. I'm just working with that's picture books. Yeah, for me, I think um, it's being a mom. You know, my daughter is two, and, uh, you know, she loves to read. She, like, brings, like, a stack of 30 books and, like, wow. here, read them, you know? Um, and, like, I just, looking for books for her, it's, I think there aren't that many um, for toddlers. There's a lot of picture books, but there's not too many toddler books that are like culturally relevant. When we were looking for books for her, I actually had to like order from a foreign publisher to find like books that were bilingual um, for the toddler age, uh, because most of the ones that I could find for toddlers were like, uh, like translations of like mass market, you know, like American books. And I didn't want that. I wanted something that was culturally specific to her and, and her experience. Um, so for me, that was kind of one of the reasons that I, you know, like that I'm doing what I'm doing now. Um, but also, definitely, um, that there, that picture books can be a lot. I mean, very poetic, very poetic, and uh, and yeah, people think you know, oh, it's a picture book. It you you can pop one out in an hour, right? And it's not. It's something you go back to a lot be because because there is so little, you know, so few words that they have to be perfect, and because they have to complement the story. You've been listening to part one of a panel from the Nuestras Raices Pavilion at the 2015 Tucson Festival of Books called The Distorted Mirror. 
Young adult authors Claudia Guadalupe Martinez and Isabel Quintero share their experiences about the importance of seeing oneself in literature. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager.